0: I want to welcome you all to Renaissance Church. My name is Jared Autumn, the executive pastor, and we are so glad that you're here with us this morning. We had just wrapped up a series, if you've been with us the past few weeks, with Pastor Christian Andrews, our lead pastor, over the last few weeks, and as we begin to turn our attention into the new year, a new series starting here in a week or two, we come to this Sunday in between Christmas and New Year's. And I know this Sunday, I've been in ministry for a long time, this Sunday is an odd Sunday, uh, especially in, in the church, because there, we're, we're kind of coming off the Christmas season. Many of us are tired. We still have New Year's to come. People are traveling. People are away. And I know that this season, uh, during this time, there's kind of the highs and lows, aren't there? You know, there's been the excitement for the past few weeks of the decorations, the family get togethers, the Christmas dinners, the family reunions, the parties, the presents, the eating, all kinds of stuff, right? But then we have the lows as well, don't we? The taking down the decorations, the family get togethers, the (laughs) Christmas dinners, the family reunions, right? The parties that we go to by ourselves, the presents. We have to pay for the eating that we now have to work off, right? There's highs and lows throughout the season. They're really heightened right now. In fact, when we had this Christmas concert past few weeks, it was phenomenal to have a Christmas concert here. I know Christmas isn't always a joyous time for some people. Some people don't have very good memories of Christmas. So there's highs and lows. And it's not just at Christmas time. They're, all, they're, they're heightened right now. We have highs and lows throughout the year, don't we? There's good times and there's bad. And one of the things I realized is that how we feel is often how we worship. And so in this week in between Christmas and New Year's, as we pray for the new year, I thought, wouldn't it be great to talk about worship with gladness, to understand what worship is really all about? You see, when we understand what worship is all about, it really transforms everything in life. But we often worship how we feel. That's why we can sing loudly, right, when we're in the shower, right? Some of us should not sing at all in the shower. But when we feel good, we sing. We turn the radio up, we sing louder. When we don't feel so good, we don't sing very loud. And there's highs and lows throughout the year. In fact, a few months ago, I was talking with a woman who um, I noticed on Sunday morning was very quiet, very reserved in the back, and wasn't really engaged in the worship. And I, and I met with her that week and I. I talked with her and we talked about how she's really going through a tough time in life. Her, her job isn't where she wants it to be. Her finances aren't where they, she wants them to be. Her children aren't at a point in life where they, she wants them to be. And it was very tough. And she said to me, I remember, Jared, I just don't feel like worshiping. And one of the things I encouraged her with was we don't worship based on how we feel. If we worship based on how we feel, we'd be, everybody would be singing joyfully right around Christmas time, right? But any time throughout the year when things are going tough, nobody would be singing at all. Nobody would be worshiping at all. In fact, if we worship how we felt, or if our worship followed our emotions, then we'd all be in big trouble. In fact, you may not see Dave and the band and the worship team up here. Because if we were worshiping based on how we feel, then we, there'll be many times when we look at the stuff around us and go, you know what, I'm just not feeling it this morning. When we understand what worship is all about, and this transformed my own life, when we understand what worship truly is, it transforms our life Totally. And so I thought, this year, as we're ending this year, as we're beginning a new year, wouldn't it be great for us to understand what worship is really all about? during the seasons of highs and lows, these heightened seasons, that we can worship the same every single time. When I was doing my study, I came across a quote that said, fruitful and acceptable worship begins before it begins. Fruitful and acceptable worship begins before it begins. When I first saw that quote, I thought, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of, because it doesn't make any sense. How can something begin before it begins? But then I realized the idea behind it, that if we can worship throughout the week, if our lifestyle is a worship, then we can come in on Sunday mornings, and it's not beginning on Sunday morning, it's just a continuation of what we've been doing all week. You see, many people will come on Sunday mornings and try to get that 15 minutes or 20 minutes. We get our worship on, we flip it like a switch, and then we feel like we can go out throughout the week and live however we want to live, and we come back in on Sunday, and it's this circular thing. And then we hear all the time, like, man, I'm just not getting much out of my worship. I'm just not feeling very, uh, like I'm getting much out of the service. In fact, that's why people church hop all the time. They, they go from one church to another because they feel like I'm not getting everything I can get. I come on Sunday mornings and I don't like the worship or I don't like the preaching. And then they, they, they go to another church and they, they say the same thing there after a while. They go, I'm not getting everything I can get on Sunday mornings. And then they leave that church and go to another church. Happens all the time. But when we, when we understand what true worship is, that we worship throughout the week, that worship is goes to the very core of who we are, that we're worshiping. God for who He is, then it transforms our life totally. And we can go into any church and say, you know what? I, maybe not the style of song that I like, but I'm worshiping because of who God is. I felt this way when I was a when I was in high school. you know I grew up in a Christian home. My parents talked to me about who the Lord is, about his death on the cross, his burial and His resurrection. That's what we're going to celebrate Communion here this morning. And I remember at a very young age, age of four, asking Christ to forgive me of my sins because I knew I had them and asking Him to be the Lord of my life. But it didn't hit me until high school when I was at a retreat that the speaker said, you know what, many of you are living hypocritically. You'll, you'll go throughout the week and do what you want to do and then you'll come in on Sundays and, and get, get your church on and then go through and live throughout the week again. And I felt like that too. In fact, I hated church when I grew up. It is a miracle that I'm a pastor here today. It really is. I did not like the music. I did not like the sermon. And what I realized, though, is because I wasn't living that way throughout the week. And so nothing was penetrating me on Sunday mornings. It wasn't a continuation of my life. When we understand worship, it transforms our life. And my hope is that it transforms your life. A lot of times as we look at the new year, our New Year's resolution is about transformation. My encouragement here is this. Understand this morning what worship really is. It could transform your life totally. And we see from Psalm 100, there's a really a road map. I'm so grateful that Dave read that psalm to us during our time of worship. Because Psalm one hundred is a clear road map to this this highs and lows of life, of life, where we're, we're, we're feeling great at one point. There's joy, and then other points of sorrow and disappointment and heartache, and it's easy to lose that hope, easy to lose the joy, easy to lose that 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 peace. But when we, when we worship how we feel. But when we look at Psalm 100, we realize there's a number of aspects in worship that we accomplish when we worship that transforms our life. And the first one is this. When we worship, we raise our voice to God. It's what we're doing. It's not how we feel. We're raising our voice to God. Psalm 101 says this, verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. I love that word shout there. It's the Hebrew word for ruah, which was a common uh, word used for the day when when citizens would, would announce the arrival of the king after a great battle. And the king was coming home and all the soldiers and they would announce the good news and the, the people would line the streets for the king to come in. And they were celebrating and, and joyful that the king has returned. I hope uh, that I would come home from work and my kids would do that, right? They would line the, the driveway excited that I was home. It never happens, right? But, we, but the people in those days were excited because the king was there. And we are excited when, we, when we're in God's presence and we shout for joy. If you've ever been to a church where people are shouting and crying and lifting their hands, sometimes, or if you're new to the church, you think, man, that is strange. Like, what is wrong with those people? Why are they singing so loudly? Why are they singing so loudly not even on pitch? Why are they raising their hands? Why are they crying? It's because of the condition of their heart. They're realizing they're excited and they're shouting and they're singing because they're in the presence of the King. It's not for people that are emotional or have some kind of emotional disorder. It's for people that have a heart condition that's right with the Lord, understanding who He is. That's why they shout. When we worship, our agenda is to meet God. God's agenda is to meet with us. We raise our voice to give His attention. It's not rude. It's not disrespectful. As we walk down the the walls of worship, the halls of worship, we can't be quiet. We shout for joy because the Lord is among us. That's what worship is all about. Not based on how we feel. It's because we're in the presence of the King. We shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. And when we shout To joy, we give honor to God. It's the other aspect of worship. That's what we're doing in worship. It says in Psalm 100, verse 2, worship the Lord with gladness. I love that word worship there because it's the Hebrew word for ah, Ahaved, which is actually translated as serve. So if you have a King James Bible, it would say, serve the Lord with gladness. So the question is this, is it worship the Lord with gladness, or is it serve the Lord with gladness? And let me encourage you with this, that it's both. That our our work is our worship, and our worship is the fundamental aspect of our work. Worship is not confined to sanctuary service on Sunday morning. Worship happens in the garage of the mechanic on Monday morning. Worship happens in the the surgery room for the surgeon. Worship happens in the classroom or on the trading room floor or at the office. Worship happens outside the walls of this church because we are worshiping the Lord. We are celebrating what he's done and we're telling others about what he's done. You know, the people that I find are the most happy in life are sometimes the people with the worst jobs I can think of or the worst uh, uh, school situation. Or the hardest uh, jobs that that I can imagine. And they're joyful, not because of their job, but because they realize they're not working for themselves, they're working for the Lord. And they're there as a mission, and they're sharing the love of Jesus with the people around them. Those are the people that are joyful. Because it's worship throughout the week. It's not just on Sunday mornings. That's why Colossians 3.23, Paul goes on to say, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters you want to transform your life throughout the week, then you need to have a worship as a lifestyle throughout the week. My former church, I knew I of a person that uh, on a regular basis would come into my office and complain about the worship songs that we sang. And they, always sang, they would always say that the worship leader always picked the three wrong songs. So on a, on, a, on a given month, I expected to see that person in my office at least once a month. Right? They wouldn't like the three songs that we sang. Why is that? because they weren't worshiping throughout the week, they were living however they wanted to live and they were hoping to come in on Sunday mornings and flip that switch on for three songs for 15 minutes and hope they can get everything out of it right then and there and then go back to living their life how they wanted to to live. And they come in, they hear a song they didn't like and it didn't work for them and so they figured this isn't right, they picked the wrong songs when it's not the worship pastor's fault, it's their own fault because their heart wasn't in the right place. Because they're trying to get it all done in 15 minutes when what the Bible is saying, what David is saying, what the Lord is saying is we got to worship throughout the week. If you worship throughout the week, then you can come in on Sunday mornings and it's simply a continuation of what you've been doing all week. So it doesn't matter if the songs aren't the right songs. We're worshiping because we've been doing it already. That's why people leave churches, that's why people move from one place to another they don't like the three songs or four songs that are picked. When the people that understand what true worship is, when we're giving honor to God, when they're worshiping throughout the week, they're serving the Lord with gladness, they can come in. It could be a praise and worship song, it could be a hymn, it could be a new song, an old song, and it doesn't matter. As long as the words are right and where they can sing reflection back to God for who He is. And when we do that, when we give honor to Him, we also draw near to Him. You see, we're drawing near to God. It says in Psalm 100, uh, verse 2, it goes on to say, "...come before Him with joyful songs." David constantly talked about singing and and dancing and the praising the Lord. In fact, Psalm 63 goes on to say, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. David time and time again was talking about praising because he's drawing near to God. One of the things that we do is when we sing, our our songs create a gladness. They're, 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 They're creating an expression. And from the beginning, music has been an essential link between God and his children. Throughout history, we see that music has played an important part of worship. A lot of churches, like we do, devote part of our service to worship. But here's the danger, church this is what I don't want you to miss. Is that for some people, instead of worshiping God, they actually worship the music. You see, music is a vehicle that stirs the emotion and expresses our hearts. But worship but music itself is not worship. Some people have the that that feeling when they're singing worship of this this like their joy. And I thought, well, maybe because of the music I'm actually worshiping, until I turned on my radio and I heard a classical song and I felt that same way. That's not worship. Music is not worship. Music is an expression to worship. It's a vehicle that stirs the emotion and expresses our hearts. Music isn't worship. It's part of the protocol that prepares the hearts and sets a stage for an encounter with God. That's why we focus on the words that we sing. David sang joyful songs. He was in a tough place, but he was able to say, your love is better than life. It's not about the joy in the music. It's about joy in who the Lord is. When we worship, we draw near to God. We give honor to God. We shout for joy because we are acknowledging the character of God. Psalm 100, verse 3 goes on to say, Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. We are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture." When we sing, we're acknowledging the characteristics of God, that he made us, that he knit us together in our mother's womb, that he is the good shepherd. I love what John 10 says. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd, what? Lays down his life for the sheep. That's why we celebrate communion. Christ laid down his life for us because we had sin, and he took it to the cross, and he died for us, then rose again three days later. That's what he does. He's a good shepherd. He goes after us. He loves us. He doesn't leave us alone. He's the good shepherd, so that must tell me that there's a bad shepherd out there somewhere. The good shepherd is the one that says, you know what? I need to go after the one that's lonely. I need to go after the one that's gone astray. I need to go after the one that's not doing well. Some of you aren't doing well. Some of you have come into this service here this morning and going, man, maybe I shouldn't be here. And this is exactly where you need to be because he's the good shepherd. And when we sing, we give gratitude because he loves us and he goes after us. Gratitude is what gets us through the hard stuff, doesn't it? We reflect on our blessings as to rehearse God's accomplishments, and when we rehearse God's accomplishments and His character, we discover His heart. And when we discover His heart, we discover it's not just good gifts, but He's the good giver. Gratitude always always leaves us looking at God and away from the dread of life, because we acknowledge the character of who He is. Not about how we're feeling. It's not about how our week was. It's not about how this past year has been. It's not about how good our children are doing, how well our finances are. It's about the character of God. And when we can get to the point where we can sing with our voices full of joy, when we can serve him throughout the week, when we can come and acknowledge who he is, then we can ultimately give praise to God. Psalm 100, verse 4, goes on to say this, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Enter his courts, gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. That's what we do. We're praising him for who he is. Now, here's what I want you to see. There is a fundamental difference between praise and worship. A lot of times we use those words interchangeably. Stand up as we continue to praise and worship. We're going to continue this morning in our praise and our worship. Praise and worship are two totally different things. You see, throughout the Bible, the Bible commands us to praise the Lord. All the inhabitants of earth are instructed to praise the Lord. We praise Him through singing, with shouting, with dance, with musical instruments. Praise is recounting all that God is and has done. It's closely intertwined with thanksgiving. We offer back appreciation for His mighty works. But here's the thing. We can give praise to a lot of different things. They can be related to family life as well and our relationships. Think about it. We praise uh, people for what they do. We praise our children for the accomplishments they have. We can praise the sports team for the great play that they made. We can praise somebody for the great uh, trade or business deal that they did. We can give praise to those people, but we don't necessarily worship those people. See, worship comes from a, a, a different place in our spirits. Praise is easy. We can give praise out all day. Worship is not. Praise is easy. Worship is not. Worship is the art of losing ourselves in adoration. Praise can be part of worship, but worship goes beyond praise. Praise is easy. Worship isn't. We can praise uh, our kids for doing great things, but we're not worshiping them. Worship gets to the heart of who we are. If we truly worship God, then we let go of of the control that we have in life, the joy that we're trying to find in our own self, and we humbly come before God. Worship is a lifestyle, not just an occasional activity. It happens throughout the week. That's why Jesus said the Father is seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. You see, in the Scriptures, when it goes to, to worship, the The Bible changes its tune. We read verses like, Worship the Lord in beauty and holiness. Come let us worship and bow down. Worship is coupled with the act of bowing or kneeling shows humility. It says, no matter what's going on in life, no matter how bad my job is, no matter how bad my health is, no matter how bad my marriage is, no matter how bad my kids are, I'm going to worship the Lord because I'm humbly coming before him. And I'm saying, okay, God, whatever you want me to do here, I'm going to rely on you. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. Just as praise is intertwined with thanksgiving, worship is intertwined with surrender. We have to surrender our lives throughout the week to say, okay, you know what, it's going to be a good week, it might be a bad week, there might be highs, there might be lows, but worship gets to the point of saying, okay, God, whatever you want me to do here, if I'm going to be in this job that I hate, use me mightily while I'm here, I'm going to worship you throughout my week. If I'm going to be in a marriage that's falling apart, use me mightily to be a good influence to my spouse. If my children are going off astray and they're not doing the right things, use me to be an encouragement to them. If I'm in a school that's in a a terrible spot, I have friends that are doing all kinds of heinous things, use me mightily so I can influence them. That's what worship is. It's an act of surrender. Praise is an act of thanksgiving. Worship is an act of surrender. Worship is really an attitude of the heart. We can give praise all day, but worship goes beyond it. My hope is that as we enter the the new year, we can actually worship. We can come in saying, it's not about how I'm feeling, but we're praising God for his characteristics, and then we worship him throughout the week. Why? You may ask why. Because of Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. The faithfulness continues through all generations. His God is good, and His love endures forever. The second truth is that His faithfulness extends to all generations. David was dealing with all kinds of stuff when he was writing Psalm 100. He was not the poster child of a picture perfect life. He was going through wars. He was going through a situation where Saul was trying to kill him. He had this situation with Bathsheba. He had uh, tried. To, he had her husband killed. He had his own son turning on him. He was going through. A, a, Tough time after tough time, after tribulation, after a heinous thing going on in his life, but yet he's still able to write Psalm 100. He's still able to, to, to write uh, to, to the Lord saying, Look, shout to the, to the Lord all the earth, worship the Lord with gladness, come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God, it's He who made us. We are His, we are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him, praise His name for the Lord is good, His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. You see, David understood that going through trials, that when you have highs and lows, that that's not when we praise based on how we feel, but it's based on who the Lord is. He loves you. You may be going through a tough time, but he's with you. His faithfulness continues to all generations. So just as David was going through it and the Lord was there, he's there with you now. And that's why we worship, because of who he is. You know, a few minutes, the band is going to come and they're going to lead us in a song of How Great Thou Art, a powerful hymn. A little bit different rendition of the hymn that we would normally sing it in. But one of the verses that we sing is that Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation and lead me home what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and proclaim my God how great thou art. That's what we do when we worship. We're praising who he is and we're worshiping him. The same God that David worshipped is the same God that we worship. Because he's faithful. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he got David through the tough stuff. He's going to get you through the tough stuff. It's not based on how David felt. If David worshiped how he felt, then he probably would never have worshiped at all. But he was worshiping throughout his life every day. And I hope you do that as well, that worship, fruitful, acceptable worship, begins before it begins. That it begins, actually, as we leave this place here today, and it begins throughout your week when you come in. That it's not, we're not starting over. It's just a continuation of what we've been doing all week. You know, as I was doing my studies on worship, I came across a book that I read a number of years ago in seminary. It was called Worship 365. There's a man named David Edwards who wrote that book, and he he says this. He says, when we praise God, we are ringing the doorbell, making our presence known, letting him know that we have come to see him. And our praise is the thank you that refuses to be silenced. When he hears our praise, he gets up, he opens the door and invites us to come in. When we go inside, we move from praise to worship. In other words, praise is the vehicle into God's presence. Worship. Worship is what we do once we get there. What a great picture of what praise and worship really is. My hope for you as we close out this year and enter a new year is that we can praise him every day of our life. We can praise him with a heart full of gratitude and thankfulness. Let's pray together this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you that you're faithful to us. I thank you that you never let us go, that you're the good shepherd, that you love us, that you search after us, and that you want to have a relationship with us. That's why you came and died for us. We thank you, Lord, how great you are to us. Lord, we do give you praise, and we do give you worship. I pray that we can do that throughout the rest of this week as well, and I ask all this in your precious and holy name.